1: I know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're a video. But that's the evidence in the car. I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range ADC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. It's been a hot minute since we sat down and talked about some music, so we're here for this episode to cater to the audiophiles and those who might be just crazy enough to enjoy listening to us yammer about things here on the interwebs. That being said, we're a duo here to talk about a couple of duos who love them, some retro recording and lo-fi sound, so we hope you got your overalls on because we're headed out to the garage as we take on an album one-on-one featuring the white stripes and the black keys in this episode 117, Duel of the Duos. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me... As always, is the man who once had his own one-man band on the streets of Chicago before realizing that people were chucking quarters at him to stop humming at the bus stop, not because they liked it. He has been my partner in his idiocy for over two decades and is currently in a bidding war for a Getty Lee guitar pick on eBay. I give you the man they call Tim.
0: Greetings and salutations, my friend. I just upped my uh, my bid. <laughs> and
1: what what is the bid standing at now? A dollar fitty?
0: Um about about two seventy-five.
1: Uh, Well, you know what? You just got to go up to 350, and that'll take you right over the top. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 350. All right, sir. Well, how are you doing this fine, fine, fine Monday evening as we record?
0: Doing well. Doing well. Invigorated from the weekend. Uh, you know, just... <laughs> invigorated? Although I think both of us had slightly different experiences on that front.
1: But I was going to say, you, your description was not an invigorating one. It was more of a, a put-through-the-ringer uh, sort of t- a situation. Really? Well, I mean, yours was, of course, as always, much more bougie and took place in an, you know, upper crust sort of situation where I'm sure people were bringing things to you on silver platters. Oh, of
0: course. Of Whereas course. I was
1: in the comfort of my own home. But I mean, you know, whatever. Yes. It seemed that uh, it seemed that time got away from you.
0: Ah, uh, that is true. That that is true. I uh, my my wife and I did uh, take in a wonderful performance uh, down at the hallowed halls of DePaul University uh our son is in the jazz orchestra there and uh, uh yes. fine performance yesterday fine performance by by the group so uh enjoyed that and uh, and of course uh had had a little meal out uh, mm-hmm. with, with the lad and, uh, and, and had a, a fine time, fine time. So, ah, yes. uh, but, uh, but that which you speak of is, is my Friday evening excursion, uh, you know, decided to go to a, a local haunt of ours, a, a local watering hole that we enjoy. And, uh, uh, one of those places I was explaining to, um, to Uncle Todd, that you know, there's some places you find where you just kind of it's like a home away from home. And so, you know, we've gotten to know the owners, gotten to know the members of the wait staff, and and so it's it's just kind of you, you know, we show up there and it's just it, it's like we go into a time vortex and and you mm-hmm. just lose track of 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 the time as it goes by. And before I realize it, it's like somewhere in the vicinity of like, you know, eight, eight fifteen, eight, eight thirty-ish. And we're just like, my God, we've been here for three hours. There's no musical act, there's no anything. We're just like, you know, yammering it up with people. So, uh, but a fine dinner, fine dinner was had. Bourbon was, was, uh, imbibed. Uh, meats were, were, of cooked. course,
1: top shelf, of course. Of
0: course. Of course. And, uh, you know, fine, fine service, wonderful, wonderful evening. And so, uh, that, that, that kicked off the weekend and then it just, uh, it just ramped up from there. So, uh, very much now, of enjoyed.
1: Course what tim doesn't tell you is of course he's drinking you know top shelf bourbon he had nice like it was like a like a three inch thick steak that he's having Mm. and you know all this stuff his wife is you know he's telling her you need to have the salad you know like the (laughs) come on now the wedge salad too like the cheapest of all salad and then was like did you bring the dressing like i told you to so (laughs) good lord (laughs) oh my goodness no, no, you splurge. You're a romantic. You would not That's you right. deny your wife nothing, which is basically the only reason you're not sleeping in the garage. So I, <laughs> I got to you know, applaud you for that. Uh, me, uh, on, we had our housewarming party and a friend of mine came over, uh, my Kentucky bootlegging friend, uh, who uh, brought over a, a 114 proof uh, rye whiskey, which is where my evening started. That's... Mm. That's a rough launch point, folks. That is a rough, rough launch point. Um, when you're downshifting to 101 proof, you know that <laughs> that the evening might be getting away from you. Yeah, uh, Just a bit. yeah. It was a it was a housewarming party that was supposed to be five to nine. I think the last people were leaving at about eleven fifteen, eleven thirty. <laughs> it was. Very nice. It, it was a lot of fun, um, mo- I, which I remember most of it, I think. Which was technically
0: 10 or 10.30 because uh, we we did the old fall this weekend.
1: Let me tell you, that saved my butt. That just saved my butt <laughs> right there, that extra hour of sleep. <laughs> Thank the Lord. In, in your mid-40s, you, you need coincidences <laughs> like that to survive. The problem was then we followed it up and we tried a, we tried a new breakfast place the next morning. Oh, boy. It's like the opposite experience from what you get at your local watering hole. We showed up and we're like, Ugh, this is, number one, we were like the youngest people in there. I mean, like we're in our oh, mid-40s and we're like, oh my gosh. I think those people in that booth over there passed away and nobody noticed. Did, did we somehow end up in the Fountain of Youth? It was, was like, is this, a, is, this a, is this Cocoon 3 that they're filming here? What's going on here? Yes.
0: <laughs> anyways, oh gosh uh, yes. but a good weekend overall. Did I get mean, a stack of pancakes to kind of offset everything or
1: what? oh no, I didn't get any pancakes i got okay. I got some hash browns that were barely cooked and I was like, well, of course they need to be nice and soft you can't make them too crispy because they got to be <laughs> able to gum them you know that's <laughs> what it was- we had no idea. We just walked to this place. So I was like, "Ah, oh, it's open. Sure. Just walking distance to our house. Sure, why not? They're, you know, they don't say closed. It's got to be a quality establishment. exactly. You know, it had eats right there on the front front window. I mean, Forget why not? That
0: there's a you know a, a Sunoco sign just outside the door where the gas station is. Jesus, well Louise, that there was bro. like
1: ten walkers all chained up to the bike rack. That should have been another hint, oh, you know. But oh well.
0: Oh, uh, may I ask the bourbon you imbibe sir because I I partook in a in a new one uh, you know I, I talked with the wait staff a little bit and uh, they had a a off brand one they, they carry called Widow Jane out of yeah. new, I believe out of New York state. So
1: well I can tell you the first one that I had. Let me I'll actually I'll, I'll move over to my bourbon shelf which is only hops given a jump here from the recording desk. So the the old Overholt, one hundred and fourteen proof, aged four years, straight rye whiskey. Mm. Uh, yeah, that that is really nice, but it's a little too nice, if you know what I mean. Oh, um, yeah. oh, and then yeah. uh, the, of course, then there was some Wild Turkey one hundred and one in the downshift, and then uh, some folks brought in some uh, a nice uh, Mad River Distilleries straight bourbon whiskey, and this is distilled and bottled in Warren, Vermont. And is clocks in at a ninety two proof. And that was quite lovely too. Of course my taste buds were like completely blown out by that point. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Nice. Let's just put it this way. There was there was there was meatballs sitting in cold in a crock pot at the end of the night and I was <laughs> too in those bad boys out on my way to bed. that's <laughs> That's where the evening went. Got to have just one more. Yeah. My wife's like, you're not going to, that's going to be bad for you. I was like, ah, quiet.
0: <laughs> she she relegates you to
1: your office. It's like,
0: go sleep in there. Yeah. Just, just.
1: whatever's whatever, whatever smell is going to be coming we'll out of you later in is the not going to be good. <laughs> good Lord. Anyways. Nice. But yeah, that was my weekend. That was my weekend. Ah, very nice all right we've, nice, we've now sir. spent enough time boring people with our with our uh you know insipid middle-aged That's lives
0: bougie travail, sir we are oh, gentlemen bougie. of industry
1: oh my gosh didn't you I, tell I, I
0: got a good night a good weekend sleep i'm like all fired up using big words i'm, and everything. St- I'm
1: still half asleep i don't know what it is this weekend like i couldn't get enough sleep it's amazing. Uh, Anyways, we need to get into some news and some uh, some things that are happening as Tim pops himself a nice uh, Colt 45 malt liquor. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Don't tell. <laughs> you know, I bet that has carbs. Oh, just saying. Oh my gosh. Uh, but we need to get into the week in geek and geek and see what's going on in the world. Week in geek. So funky. What have we got this week, sir?
0: Uh, well, we got a few items. Uh, first one, uh, right off the bat, is uh, I, I know we just are coming off a, a sharing of, of personal tales, but I will I will uh, share one. It is.
1: Uh, in the Week in Geek uh, This if, is the most bougie of all, so yes we had to save this for the Week in Geek.
0: Indeed and, and uh, you know, really because it has to do with uh, some of the mechanics behind this experience uh, as much as the, you know, intake of, of the experience itself but uh, a couple of weeks hmm. ago my wife and I went to uh, a, a, sh- a live recording of uh, the NPR News Quiz Show if you are familiar, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me uh, it is a, a very very funny uh, news quiz show that uh airs uh usually every week uh they they do have some best of shows here and there uh when when they take a few weeks off but now
1: i just want to stop you for just a moment yes so this was a live recording yes of an npr radio show yes were your khakis like starched and pressed did you have the crease down the front
0: uh no i was wearing a pair of jeans and a flannel shirt
1: Wow, I'm surprised they let you in. Well, you must have you must have contributed enough to get like the the tote bag.
0: We actually did. And we um, got a tote bag. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we got two tote bags actually because of course we in, you did. We were in second row. Uh like, I, I didn't either see the public
1: TV or, or NPR. You're going to get a tote bag. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I got a got a nice water bottle with the Weight Weight logo on it and uh and a magnet. So
1: Wow. We are, we are properly uh, comped. Uh, that magnet is so you can erase all of your 3.5 discs. <laughs> <when> you... <laughs>
0: Quick, hand me that
1: one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw an NPR bag at that breakfast place that we went to. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good Lord, they might have been there at the show with you. They, they just flew back into town. Oh my gosh!
0: But it, it but it was a great experience. We, we yeah, we, we were second row, uh, very, very close to the stage. Got to see, uh, and, and sorry. So for for uh, folks who are not familiar, the show is recorded. Usually, it's ba- it is uh, based out of Chicago, uh, recorded at the uh, Studebaker Baker Theater uh, in the Fine Arts Building uh, off Michigan Avenue. Uh, so it is uh, you know, very easy to get to if you're in the city and uh, and, and the Studebaker Theater is, is really, you know, kind of nice compact theater. Uh, you know, a lot of folks, you know, probably a few hundred there. Not not a massive one, but it was uh, but but still just just
1: a great, great venue. Is that um, anywhere near Wacker?
0: Uh, it's about probably I would say seven or eight blocks south of Wacker.
1: Okay, I, I have no idea, and I have no reason for knowing that. But I yes, Wacker does like go by that,
0: or does link into Michigan Avenue, sir.
1: So I just love the fact that Chicago has a has a road named Wacker. Yes, that just amuses me and makes, a, makes the makes the the third grader in me just giggle.
0: Well, and then the the teenager in me, whenever I'm riding, you know, driving a car in Lower Wacker, always wants to accelerate a little bit, like uh, la Blues Brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> You watch the concrete supports go flying past you at at an, you know, at obnoxious speed. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, we, we attended the show, uh, and, uh, it, it was very, very, uh, funny and very well done. Uh, basically, uh, they uh have about probably 10 or 15 minutes before they actually start recording the show the, the show airs on saturday mornings um at least here in chicago on wbez it is the local npr channel uh it airs about 10 a.m central time uh and uh gosh are getting paid to show this my god you have a lot of information well i'm i'm a fan i know it. it's just i know it you know it like, like, seems like you're getting a kickback
1: here they're getting oh, free maybe, commercial time maybe. on our show People you know sake
0: will give me a call. Um, but but nonetheless, uh, so so they they do a little 10, 15 minute intro um, and then they get into actually recording the show. And it was really, really fascinating for, for me to see kind of how how they built the show up, you know, and, um, you know, the, the, the first segment that is typically done you know, as you consume the show on Saturday morning was the first one they did, but it was interesting how they kind of mixed some of the segments up, um, and, and kind of did them out of order. Uh, it was also really fascinating for me to see how much time they spend on each segment because, uh, the, the first segment, which is usually a, I believe it's a multiple choice, um, contest with, with someone who calls. So someone calls in the evening of the show recording and they can hear the host and, and the, uh, the guests. And, uh, and basically, they read them a question, they have to answer it, but then there's like a back and forth between the host, Peter Sagal, and the guests. And that usually goes a couple minutes and then they move on to the next question. Well, when you go to a live recording, they go back and forth for probably close to 10 to 12 minutes. I mean, it's, it's ah. almost like double the time, most likely so they have plenty of content they can edit down and, and kind of yeah. work into, you know, kind of the comedy of the show. Um, the, which is sorry. something that
1: we could probably, we could probably take notes on, but unfortunately I was taking can... a few,
0: I was taking a few, <laughs> might apply some tonight. We'll see. We'll okay, see. good. Um, but, uh, but before I forget, so Peter Sagel's the host, Bill Curtis is a uh, longtime uh, Chicago news fixture, uh, very bassy voice does the, you know, a lot of the announcing. Uh, and then the guests, uh, which I was really excited about cause I've read a couple of his books. Mo Rocca was one of the guests. So I, I thought it was really hmm. cool to see him live. Um Sam uh sorry, Shane O'Neill, who is a uh comedian out of New York, uh, actually a writer for the New York Times out of New York, does comedy um, grew up in Oak Park, apparently Illinois. Uh, and then <laughs> Helen Hong, who is a comedian. Um, I know her mostly from the show Silicon Valley. She was a, uh, played, played kind of a, a not, not a small role, but, but, a uh, what do you call it? Um, oh supporting, supporting. Thank you. Uh, su- supporting role as, as an HR executive, uh, on, on that show in its last season when she was very funny. Uh, she was very funny live. Um, all three of them were very funny live, very good guests, but, um, uh, but yeah, it was just it was just a fascinating experience just just to see the show get recorded. And then what was interesting is they got to the end. Um, you know, Peter Sagel had said, you, you know, we may go and do some retakes of things that happened during the show. He said mostly to, you know, in in a funny way, mostly to fix the mistakes I made. And so um, you know, so they spent about three or four minutes, and it was really funny because it was kind of this awkward part of, of of the whole evening where the entire crowd sitting there quiet as you know peter sagel and bill Curtis are getting feedback from the producer through an earpiece and going through and just kind of jumping into different parts of the show that we had already seen and a couple times i'm listening to what he's redoing and i'm like it sounded fine the first time why are you redoing it the second time like like i i you know obviously i couldn't because do the these other shows have
1: standards tim oh, Unless <laughs> us where we're just like meh whatever yeah, so we
0: do it in one take and then uncle todd <laughs> drops in uh you know a little limerick here or there from uh, some sort of movie we like who's,
1: so. who's it who's like oh my gosh i can't i've forgotten his name now thankfully uh the dude who used to do inside edition then he was uh he was on fox news oh, bill o'reilly yeah yeah we'll do it live I, I was just gonna say we'll do it live oh so, my
0: gosh probably some sort of long-lost sibling of vince mcmahon but you know oh that's a scary thought right there <laughs> So anyway, Ugh. so this was uh, less a news item, just a little experience from uh, the life of the man they call Tim. But but just nonetheless, if you have an opportunity to you're in Chicago and you want to, you know, see a local show, uh, it was about two, it was 730, got done about 10 o'clock Um but but top to bottom was just so funny. Um, everyone was super entertaining, and and it was just it was, uh, you know, you, you you forgot you were just watching a radio show. It just felt like you were watching a performance almost, and mm-hmm. and it was really really well done. Very, I, I was very impressed by how tightly run the show was because uh, especially when they went back and did the edits, like they. Peter Sagal, Bill Curse, they have these tablets and I, and I think they have, you know, the whole show outline notes, that sort of thing. And they're just like jumping around, like they are like clockwork when they do this. So it was, it was just very, for, from an engineering standpoint, it was just really interesting from that sensibility to kind of watch them put the show together, uh, took notes written and, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll be implementing some of the, uh, the uh, changes into this show at some point down the line. So,
1: okay, good. I'll, I'll be waiting for those to happen. All right. <laughs> Probably good. first I'm getting my ass fired. <laughs> Get Peter, <laughs> get Peter Sigel in here, whoever he is. I, I would know him from, from a dude who walks by with a can cart in front of my house. I have yeah, no idea. I dude. know. I know. So
0: anyway, it's just a little, uh, little experience uh, from a few weeks back. Very nice. Our next item, uh, however, is, uh, you know, every time we do a recording, sir, we we have been we have been graced with yet another piece of Marvel content, which which has us go. hmm. And uh, going back a couple of weeks, we had a trailer drop that was Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. Uh, yes, which we, we have been pining for for quite some time ever since we saw the season finale of Loki season one when we met he who remains who predicted there are going to be versions of him out there that are going to do very bad things and boy oh boy if there wasn't a little hint of animosity and evil from what can only be described as our first appearance of Kang in this trailer. So thought yes. we'd do a little bit of a trailer watch here.
1: Ah, I'm all for it. You know, as, uh, just a side note today, um, uh, you know, as, as Twitter is slowly swirling down the drain here, uh, <laughs> and, and actually not so slowly, um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how news functions after mm-hmm. Twitter. Because I, d- I do, I think Twitter is definitely on a downward trend right now. Unless mm-hmm. unless something rapidly changes, I think, <laughs> I think number one, just from an economic standpoint, you can't buy something for forty four billion dollars that ain't really w- worth forty four billion dollars, and that ain't even really making money now. And then you're going to add more debt to it every year, and hope that you're going to make make out on this, like. Mm-hmm. I, y- y- I'm not great at math but even I can figure out that this is a bad idea anyways uh, but well, so much of our, our news has become like oh and hey these four people on Twitter say something and knock out 150, 200 words and, and mm-hmm. publish it you know uh, I, I have I have no idea what, what's going to happen with news after this maybe we'll actually calm down the news cycle a little bit I don't know
0: I actually read uh, so someone tweeted over the weekend ironically <laughs> that one of the and, and this was all well within his control, but one of the things I think that's impacting a lot of the changes that are being proposed and that we might see in the next, you know, month or so here is because um, there is this, you know, kind of, I don't know how to call it. It's, it's kind of a marketing or advertising show that they typically would do a presentation at, and they usually book somewhere in the vicinity of, you know, I I think they, the person was saying like 700 to 900 million in in their advertising, you know, through, through this kind of trade show and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, doing this sort of presentation for different advertisers. Well, apparently because of the lingering purchase that had been going on all year long, nobody wanted to touch it. And so (laughs) when, when he bought it and he knew this, um, they had no, so apparently they have very little or much, a much reduced, uh, advertising, uh, revenue coming in, uh, for next year. And I think this is part of what is causing, um, some of the change you're seeing, especially in the monetary department, because, uh, basically, yeah, bought, bought the company, borrowed a lot of money to do it. They have no revenue booked and, um, well, you do the math.
1: So well, and even if they had the revenue that they were going to have, if they if they just kept the same revenue from the last couple of years, it, it wouldn't be enough,
0: right? That's I'm the thing saying. He blows he's, my it, mind. Is like they're, they're playing from that much further behind now.
1: Is is really oh a good yeah point. yeah yeah. It's like you you go back and you 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 know you you score a couple touchdowns for the other team just to for giggles, I guess. Indeed. But anyway, uh, someone apparently tweeted out and uh, it got published as a news article, and I saw it and uh, you know gave it a quick little little run through mm. but apparently like uh they're saying oh warner brothers has out marvel this year they're they're because of black adam they, they've got more revenue coming in blah 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 i'm like yeah good thing you got that out in the world four or five days before you know black <laughs> panther two comes out the, the movie that's going to make all the money and just uh-huh. bury bury dc mm-hmm. it's not even going to be close yeah. not even going to be close i mean right now they i think someone was saying that um Black Adam might not even make the money that, gosh, what was the, what was the movie? It was, it was a lesser DC movie and they're like, it might not even make this. Oh, uh, oh no, oh no. It was, it was comparing Black Adam to Black Widow. Ah, okay. And Black Widow, if we all remember Mm -hmm. because of the, the Scarjo, uh, and flow well the Scarjo lawsuit was released on Disney Mm plus it might not make as much as, as, black widow made theatrical when that we were in the middle of a pandemic like and a lot of theaters were kind of closed ish and it was day and date released streaming so a much lower ty- mo- much lower pull from mm-hmm. the box office black adam might not get that yeah where most theaters are back open that is insane that's yeah. that's some trouble right there folks yeah so when they talk about like oh well look at what warner brothers has done this year i'm like yeah that's gonna be gone by the weekend yeah <laughs> yep hope you enjoyed that week because it's Indeed gonna be gone, gone. Indeed. anyways all that to say uh you know because i am a marvel show because i enjoy movies that are made with you know quality and care uh yeah let's watch some ant-man wasp all righty are you ready sir I am. Do you want to count us down?
0: Oh, uh, that's usually your thing, but I will do it. Are we ready? I uh, am ready. F- three, two, one. Hit play. I love that we have the Elton John "Yellow yeah. Brick Road"
1: song. That is such a great tune. Although I am kind of getting tired of like just like the remix of the classic rock songs. Mm. I love that little hit. There, I though. love it.
0: "Thank You, Spider Man." <laughs> So here's what I find interesting. Once again, there's going to be all sorts of chaos, ballyhoo, and tomfoolery because someone made technology they shouldn't
1: have. (laughs) Yep. Uh, uh. And Michelle knows exactly what's coming now. Oh, yeah. I don't want to go back. Crap. Crap. She channels her inner Jim Ross. That's got to be king. And this is why you just shouldn't have kids. Because eventually (laughs) they're going to open up a doorway to the quantum realm. One Um, of them's going to, you know, it's just the way it works. So this is
0: interesting because I remember in Ant-Man, the quantum realm seemed like this like unsurvivable place. And so it's really funny to see them kind of walking around with like, you know, no helmet on.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, Michelle Fiverr was walking around without a helmet, I think. That's true. It has a very foreboding
0: tone to it with the music, doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but that's what they're doing with all these remixes of the the classic rock songs, you know, which is kind of why I'm a little down on that.
0: All right. Now, I wonder if we're going to, you know, if this, you know, cuz as well as Kang, there's rumors that we're going to have some Modoc as well. So Who's Modoc again? I don't remember who's going to play him. Are you saying who is he in general?
1: Yeah, I'm just, I'm forgetting.
0: He's that kind of like character that has like a big head and and like kind of a, it's like in a container.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I remember.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. If you help me, I'll make it worth your while. What's it going to be? Ant Man. I love it. Very foreboding. Yes. I really do think I, I, how do I say this? This is going to be a heel making sort of movie.
1: I think so. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And which means someone going to die and, and, and it's not going to seem possible, but they're going to die and it's going to, it's going to set Kang up to be kind of the ruthless sort of villain that I think this next round of, of uh, story arc is going to need
1: yeah and the thing is you can't you can't do a Gamora and then bring the character back just from a different multiverse mm-hmm. like you gotta if you really want to do that you gotta kill him and kill him dead
0: because
1: mm-hmm. I, I think that's a I think that's a, I'm not saying it's a terrific idea like yay let's kill somebody in the movie uh, no I'm just saying like from a story wise point yeah you're totally right like to to really establish Kang like yeah he just out and out and that person's done. Yeah. Uh, And,
0: and, you know, the way they've kind of built Scott Lang up, he, you know, it's ironic that to kick off what will essentially be this new phase five arc that you, you know, potentially you, you potentially take out the first an Avenger, but secondly, you know, kind of an Avenger who's, who's always been on the comedic side of things. So it would be very, you know, almost against type, uh, to to do this, but but I think it would send a very strong
1: message because I don't think they'll get rid of Scott Lang. Really? No, 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 no. I think if anything, I think Kirk Douglas or Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be a sacrificial lamb
0: here. Uh, okay. V- See, I, mean, I don't think that would carry enough emo- like enough weight. I think if you take um, out Ant Man, it's like, oh crap, this guy just took out Ant Man.
1: Yeah, but I. But uh, do you really think they're just going to go forward without Ant Man? Really? Well. I don't think so. I think it's more. I think it's more likely that you you get rid of um, uh, Hank Pym, mm. you know, and he has been around and we've seen him in a couple different things. And there there is a resonance to that character. And, it, and it, again, it all depends on what you do with the character throughout this movie. Yeah. So say it's a, say it's like a two hour movie, mm-hmm. you get an hour fifteen hour and a half of of Hank. And Hank being maybe the kindly old grandpa, you know, father figure, and all of a sudden, whack, he's dead. Mm-hmm. You know, what, but what they've done in other movies and, and what they could do in this movie, it could be a good setup. Yeah. I'm just saying. I think that's be. more likely. I don't think they're going to take out Paul Rudd. I, I don't. Um,
0: or if they don't take him out, maybe he gets trapped in the quantum realm and part of phase five is him getting out of it.
1: I mean, that could be... But it feels like
0: very, very much a retread of of
1: the first Ant Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we had to find his way back, or or the second Ant Man, where you had to go back and get Michelle Pfeiffer. So yeah, I don't. I I think you're 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 closer on the first one. I think somebody's going to die. And die die. Not like Well I'm gonna like down. if
0: if we don't we we most likely will 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 bring back the real and, and, and the jabroni for this, but
1: are we, are we gonna do real and jabroni December this year again we'll do four or five different
0: shows? Maybe not December, but uh <laughs> when when was this coming out? In March, I think. Uh, uh no, it's February. 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 All right, maybe I'll we'll the timing would edition. be right.
1: I'm telling yeah. Oh yeah, real or Jabroni Real Ooh. or Jabroni January. There you go. It you know why? Why
0: man and, and the Wasp
1: uh-huh. and Mando. Oh, boy.
0: And Andor.
1: Oh, no. Andor isn't coming out that soon.
0: Oh, I thought it was. I thought it it wraps up like probably before the end of the year and then comes back, I thought, in
1: January or February. No, this they just started shooting like this month. Oh, uh-huh, okay. Yeah. I think it'll be late, late 2023. I mean, I think it's 2023, but it's going to be late 2023. <laughs> Let me see. Unless me they're going to do some live shows. I mean, maybe that's the thing. They're going to do like a live ER every single week. Let's gonna... see live ER. people that don't have no frame of reference for what i just said that was like what 20 years ago they did that 15 basically, 20 years basically oh
0: geez I'm let's old. see and or season two uh okay yeah you're right you're right when was
1: Andor thank, you. Announced? thank you thank you thank you
0: I may uh, see it next season around the same time. So in September of 2023, not in 23 23, but in
1: 2020, I'm sure we could find at least one other real. Seriously, I thought that we could they do. were
0: going to bring, I thought it would, I could have swore I heard that it was going to come out quickly. All right.
1: Well, I anyways. think you kind of made that up in your head from when we were talking about it before.
0: <sighs> well, nonetheless, <laughs> we will have at least Ant-Man and the Wasp and Mando. So,
1: There we go. Yes, we will.
0: There we go. But looks very interesting, sets a very good tone with with Kang. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can tell.
1: I can tell. Yeah.
0: You not so much.
1: What? I'm excited for (laughs) what are you
0: talking about? (laughs) Well, see, it's one of the things I I learned from the radio show recording is you know, you gotta mix it up a little bit. So there you go.
1: Oh, so okay. so what? I'm I'm supposed to be JR and you're going to be the king this week I'm maybe heal it up. Maybe. Oh, okay. will be Bobby Heenan.
0: He threw himself through that window, the coward. <laughs> <laughs> and of course oh. I'm referring to Bobby's call on Marty Jannetty getting thrown through the barbershop window in Hollywood <laughs> is one of the most violent <laughs> violent heel turns uh, that ever aired on on you know uh, on uh, Live, Not live TV, but... Um, well, at
1: the time, yeah, it was it was a, just shocking. Like, that was one of the... It was probably the, yeah. the first real shocker, you know, of so something when, like that. when,
0: for those who are uninitiated, when the Rockers, which were Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, officially kind of broke up as a team, Michaels took Jannetty, he, uh, he basically uh, double-crossed him and then threw him through, uh, at the time, Brutus, <laughs> this sentence just... He's gonna crack me up, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that was a wrestler in the '80s, and he had his own segment. And he had his own segment called the Barber Shop because he went from just being Brutus Beefcake to the barber at some point because of a a well a, a WrestleMania match that uh, where he shaved another person's head and
1: became the barber all of a sudden. Yeah, and, well, and, and he's Hulk Hogan's buddy, so he Hulk was Hogan's always buddy. good for employment. of course. I would say I would say though, a much more violent interview segment would would have to be like just for sheer. violence violence would be the time that uh, rowdy roddy piper smacked jimmy Snooker with, oh. with the coconut the ungimmicked coconut just yes. like as hard as he possibly yes. could like usually you'd get charged with assault for it yes <laughs> but because it was professional wrestling <laughs> that was no, harm, no foul that is
0: the singular point when i fell in love with wrestling was when i watched that
1: of course it was because you know if it involves tropical fruit you're all in well maybe
0: but uh <laughs> But no, Shawn Michaels takes Jannetty, throws throws him through this this barbershop window, and Bobby the Brain Heenan's call on that is Did you see Monsoon Jannetty? He tried to jump out the window, the coward.
1: <laughs> so I just had to I had, I had to get I had to Google is is coconut a fruit? Because I was feeling very very weird about calling it a fruit, but it is, it is a fruit. Oh, there it's you not go. a vegetable. So there you go.
0: Very nice. There we
1: go. I I just want to make sure we we don't have to go back and re-record that later for accuracy.
0: Okay. All right. And then lastly, uh, we're just going to touch on this one real quick. Uh, File this in the uh, Hello, Captain Obvious department. (laughs) But uh, Westworld, uh, after four seasons, uh, is no more. Uh, Yep. Got the hook on Friday evening. Actually, it was a piece of news that I got. Probably I was working bourbon on bourbon number two at the restaurant finished up the appetizers waiting for the main course. And I noticed, Oh, Westworld's going away. And I, I gotta be honest. I'm a little bummed because I just, I, I would really like to like, like when you make this much of an investment in a show, as bad as it may be, can we at least get like four to
1: six episodes to just wrap it up or something like that? Could, well, could the they thing just not bow on it? You don't even know if they did or not, because neither one of us have watched any of season four, which is kind of surprising is into the previous seasons as we were yeah but neither one of us has seen any of season four nope and to know that it's now gone we're both like Whoa. well well eh.
0: to be honest i did I d- start season four i start. i watched half of the first episode i never got back to it
1: wow that's a that's a raving well, statement it wasn't because
0: right i didn't want to it's just i started and then i just didn't you know, just didn't have the time. So yeah,
1: no, I, I I understand. I've been meaning to renew my HBO max subscription and I've, Mm. I've found various reasons not to, but Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, like I, I was shocked as, as HBO started trimming their budgets over the last couple years. And then especially when they got bought out, how Westworld survived because that show must have been some very high ranking, uh, officials pet project because that is not a little show that is an expensive show mm. that's a lot of money you're putting up on screen right there and that's a lot of episodes each one of them what those episodes have run at least 60 minutes right yeah yeah and uh, tons of effects shots big sets lots of i mean crowds i mean just a lot of stuff and the fact that that show kept on going and then they're like, yeah, you know what? Take Batgirl out in back of the shed and old yellow or that. And I'm like, and, and Westworld survived? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. The money they spent on Batgirl is probably might be one season of Westworld might not even be one season of Westworld. When you when you put into account of how much, you know, you're paying the actors mm-hmm. How much you're spending on effects? Actually, no. They, Batgirl was probably a bargain compared to uh, like one season of Westworld. Yeah. And then yeah. it survived this long to me is remarkable. Because season one was amazing. And I thought season two oh, yeah. was, was was really good too. People started to diverge on that though. And then season three, a lot of people checked out. Um, I still thought it was good. I thought it was interesting. Um, I'm anxious to see what season four is. Yeah. When I finally get around to it. So But uh but the fact you it say, survived this long, I'm I'm shocked.
0: Would you say, sir, uh once we watch season four, should we uh revisit this in a potential episode?
1: Uh yeah, we can do that. We can call it Westworld. What happened? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so here here is <sighs> I'm curious. Uh okay, so Westworld. Mm-hmm. And this was 2016, so this isn't even – this isn't even uh, – that isn't even the last couple seasons. But they're saying Westworld was about $10 million per episode. Dang. Yeah. I mean, and that's 2016, so what, that's, that's like season s- one or two? me the meatball. No, that's probably season one. And then it yeah. only goes up because – you know some folks got raises oh yeah yeah dang uh-huh that's a lot of cashies well, right Anthony
0: there hopkins he demands top dollar
1: well but he was gone after season one i know but nonetheless might have contributed to the 10 million maybe he has one of them bobby bonilla contracts where he's he's gonna getting <laughs> paid like the next 30 years his heirs will be getting like checks from hbo oh dear be like hbo gawker whoever winds up with hbo because it keeps on getting bought and apparently now they're talking about even a mm. the fact that um discovery could end up turning around almost like a almost do like a house flip on it
0: mm-hmm. and they could
1: they can sell it as early as 2024 wow so who knows where where hbo is heading but interesting oh interesting. well to have that many highly acclaimed and rated shows and then just to get sold mm-hmm. and to, to see be like this hot potato is kind of weird
0: it is it it really is
1: it really is
0: for another episode though yes and that my friends is the weekend geek
1: well thank you sir once again for your interweb sleuthing we're now Uh going to get on to our album one-on-one we uh we decided on this one a while ago and it took me a long time to come up with my half of the bargain tim tim had uh Already come up with his. It, it just took me extra long because, well, let's face it, I'm a slacker. By now, you should all know that slacker. So uh, I was tasked with listening to uh, "Elephant" by the White Stripes, which was uh-huh. a their 2003 album. And uh, I decided, all right, well, fair play, uh, you give me a duo, and I'll give you the band that kind of seems like it was a, a bit of a play on the White Stripes. Uh, I'll give you the Black Keys. And their album Brothers, which was from two thousand and ten, mm-hmm. so we will uh, now kind of go and give our thoughts on this and and what we liked, what we didn't like, um, and uh, how do you want to start this, sir? You're, this is kind of your baby, like the album One on One is really it's like it's like it's like your version of the Royal Rumble. You're like Pat That's Patterson right. with this. This is your this is your brain exactly, just exactly. with much better English. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, which was an, which was Poor another Pat. one that I Jeez. which was another one that I loved that Bobby Heenan said in his uh, his Hall of Fame speech was like for all of you who uh, who sat through Pat Patterson's uh, speech <laughs> that'll be rebroadcast in your hotel rooms at 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 midnight in English. <laughs> that's <laughs> that is hysterical.
0: Is that is hysterical. Anywho, well, why don't we go through a quick st- uh, a stat run here? I'll I'll, I'll run through uh, the white stripes. If you want to run through the black keys, but um, for, sure. for those who forget, uh, white stripes elephant uh, was a 2003 outing uh, on Metacritic. It got 92 out of 100, so highly uh, rated, well received mm. uh, outing by um, Jack and Meg White. Um, we'll go into all the the personnel um because really i i don't know any of these people <laughs>
1: but well, I, I, I mean threw, quite I threw, honestly it's it's really it's jack white and meg white and uh yeah. they did most everything and there was two guests yes. that was about
0: it <laughs> someone named holly Golightly, which i don't think is really her name and is probably you know a a pseudonym or something like that uh, nonetheless um for awards uh 2004 Grammys best alternative album best rock song 7 Nation Army and 3 MTV video music awards certified platinum with uh 2.1 million units uh so a a very very solid outing probably one of uh one of the best uh, if not uh one of the most well known sort of albums that the white stripes are known for uh sir black keys
1: So Brothers was released in 2010, Metacritic score 82 out of 100, Uh, so uh, not quite as highly acclaimed as the White Stripes Elephant. Uh, However, it is a duo, Dan uh, Dan Auerbach uh, on doing vocals, guitar, bass, guitar, and keyboards, Pat Carney on drums and percussion. And uh, their awards were uh, quite quite luminous here. Yeah. 2011 Grammys, they had five nominations. They won a Best Alternative Music Album, Best Rock Performance by a Duo or Group with Vocals for Tighten Up, nominated for Best Rock Song with Tighten Up, nominated for Best Rock Instrumental Performance with Black Mud, mm-hmm. nominated for Best Recording Packaging.
0: Which I mm. love that one because that's all about the art.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny when you when you actually see the cover of the album. Um <laughs> yes i thought that was such a
0: great selection i'm like someone has a really good sense of humor to give them a grammy for that
1: yeah which i mean the funny thing is though i will say like i look at that and i'm like i could have knocked that together in 10 minutes but and i say that as someone who does graphic design but i also know like immediately after that thought like yeah except you have to understand why you do it why you put it like that and the kind of the history of where that comes from. Cause that album cover, which is just text is yeah. just text. It yeah. relates. It is, it's actually historical. So there was an album uh, that was released in, oh my gosh, 1969 and it was by the, by the great Howlin' Wolf. One of actually probably my favorite blues performer of all time. Uh, an amazing, so influential in his guitar playing, in his singing, in his harmonica playing, and also just even in the way that he ran his band. Like he, he paid his band members top dollar. He even gave them health insurance so that he could keep the best players in his band. Like he was way ahead of his time. Um, and, and is one of the, one of the kind of, of all the people that you can see performances on YouTube, like the, one of the biggest shames is that Howlin' Wolf had one national television appearance. And the only reason he got on national TV in the United States was because the Rolling Stones insisted. Uh, I think they were on some show of like back in the 60s, like Shindig or something like that. And they ins- they wanted Muddy Waters first, but Muddy couldn't do it. And then they said, well, we aren't, we aren't going to go on the show unless you put Howlin' Wolf on the show. And that's how he got on national TV. It was his only national television appearance ever but anyway uh Mm -hmm. so by 1969 record sales weren't huge for for wolf and his label uh chess records wanted to pair him and muddy waters with kind of psychedelic blues rock bands and see if they could kind of boost record sales and get some of the the psychedelic fans involved and then also get um some of the blues fans and try and, you know, well, try and make some money. Quite honestly, that's, that's where they were at. And so, uh, the Howlin' Wolf album, and it is essentially the front cover is a, a white sleeve with black, uh, you know, bold font that says, this is Howlin' Wolf's new album. He doesn't like it. He didn't like his electric guitar at first either. That's funny. and, guess what? That didn't sell very well. (laughs) Oh gosh. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and they were trying, you know, they were trying to do it. And, um, the, the head of chess basically acknowledged, like you can't use negativity to, to sell, but they were, they were just experimenting. Didn't sell as well as the, uh, the, the muddy waters outing electric mud, which is kind of the same concept. Uh, but again, you have to know then the history of that going into The packaging here where you have the black sleeve and you have the you have the the writing on it and you're like oh so you have to kind of get that joke but it's also just the beautiful simplicity of it you know that this is what it is that's all you need you know so i appreciated that but anyways i got a little too deep on that uh it was certified platinum twice with two million units which also means uh the white stripes was certified double platinum just for the record
0: well i i wanted to ask you about that because i i went back and looked to make sure i saw that right and i don't know if it's just a mistake on wikipedia shocking i know um never but yeah because they i mean they're they're basically within a hundred thousand units of one another i would have thought they would have been similarly certified
1: but i don't yeah, know yeah i don't i don't know if that's a is a I, I don't think Might there's be a time limit on that. Yeah. yeah, could be. Might be a typo. Okay. Um, but yeah, so uh, these two albums, both by duos, uh, both with pretty much this, the two people in the band playing all the instruments, covering uh-huh. all the parts. Um, the one divergence in this is, uh, even though, <laughs> uh, which I didn't know this before, I was just reading up on this earlier. So uh, Black Keys recorded Brothers at the old Muscle Shoals studio which hadn't been used in something like 30 years when they went in there um it was basically like a museum uh white stripes also recorded in a very stripped down old school studio and what's interesting to me is white stripes album the elephant was basically i don't think there's anything that they used to the entire process that was older than 19 that was uh newer than 1970 Like everything was very old equipment from microphones to uh, you know eight track tape recording, all of this stuff. Black Keys kind of did some of that, Mm -hmm. but then they had to like splice in digital because a lot of the a lot of the innards of the studio, of course, having not been used for decades, are just weren't going to work. Yeah, and so they ended up having to incorporate some digital. Um, you know, some digital recording. Plus, then they they took the the recordings and then went back and kind of spruced them up. Whereas it feels like the White Stripes were basically like, "Yep, that's about it." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, which I I kind of appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but that's all the that's all the background I got on Brothers. Probably far too much for our listeners.
0: No, I I, I if I may add in, uh, you know, one thing I found kind of fascinating was a little bit of the backstory of the band that led to it. That actually kind of explains, I think, uh to some degree the album name and and some of the songs contained within, which is really uh some of the uh tension that was going on between uh Arbach and Carney um mm. at the time. I forget which one what one of them was going through kind of a messy divorce.
1: Yeah, it was Carney. The it drummer. was a
0: Carney and uh in, you know, um Arbach I guess kind of released either some samples or something that, you know, could be construed as you know kind of a single album and and that you know uh did did not sit well with Carney because um of of who they were and and thinking that his his partner was kind of going off and doing his own thing and and how they you know kind of got together talked about what the band meant to each other and you know bonded a bit and then and then you know as you just described then went and did the recording you know, kind of at that studio. And, and so really like, as I was listening, cause I listened to the album about three times and, and, you know, kind of putting together the show notes for this and stuff was just kind of fascinated by the, the backstory behind it. Um, you know, the white stripes elephant, not, not quite the same backstory. It was just, you know, kind of Jack and Meg White's, you know, creation there. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, re- really, uh, the you know the depth behind it is is really more about you know kind of the the thematic overtones of of the songs and and that sort of thing but uh but for the black uh black keys it, it just you know i kind of came out of it with a greater appreciation of of you know kind of what that title i think you know maybe means for you know for, for for them given what they were going through and kind of how they came to a place of recording it so yeah uh, so i i really uh, really appreciated the suggestion sir yeah, well, hey, it's the least I can do. Depth. You're showing depth, my friend, uh, with this album.
1: I appreciate well, it. I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, don't go against my gimmick.
0: <laughs> gimmick infringement.
1: <laughs> so overall, I mean, you kind of already went into a little bit of it on, on Brothers. Uh, what Kind of what are your overall thoughts on the album?
0: Well, so would I have – how do I say this – would I have stumbled upon this and, and gotten into it all on my own? I, I, I lean toward the side of maybe not because it Mm -hmm. just, even when I started listening to it, it was kind of grinding on me a little bit. Like I just, I, I don't know what it was at least. Well, here's, here's the way I kind of view it. And you, I think you might've described when we did moving pictures for you for Rush might've described it this way where you enjoyed like one half of it. And then the Mm. second half seemed like it just kind of went off into
1: La La Land. Yeah. Yeah. Side B lost.
0: Yes. I kind of feel like this was the reverse. Like I actually did not care as much for the first four or five songs until I got to Black Mud and then from Black Mud down, which is much more bluesier, which, you know, it's not completely absent of, of electronic. You know, enhancement or anything like that, but I felt like there was more of a grittiness and a rawness to it than what came before it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like the Mm -hmm. first four or five songs have, you know, the the the, there's kind of a standard sort of electronic enhancement to it. Um, I I don't mean to say it that way. I I just don't know what the instrumentation was. You know, keyboard, synth, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it just felt more raw as you got like like it felt like the album got better as I got into it. You know what Mm. I mean? Like, like I, I was, I was connecting with it more. I was liking it more. It was a little kind of off the beaten path. I liked, you know, some of the rhythms and quite honestly, as we get into it, one of the things I really am struggling with is, is really coming up with what is kind of the least favorite song for me, you know, because I really kind of liked all of it. You know what I mean? Like, like even when we got into the beginning, you know, after I did the second or third listen, I could get into those first four songs a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so for me, I, you know, getting into the album, it, it, it was a interesting journey cause it didn't immediately connect with me until I kind of got into it more. And then I started kind of settling in and like, okay, I'm, I'm digging this now and I'm, I'm liking, you know, kind of what I'm hearing. So that, hmm. that was kind of my initial impression when I listened to it was, was, was that. Interesting. How about you for were you looking for uh, favorite songs at this point or just uh overall?
1: No, just kind of overall thoughts. uh one thing I just wanted to kick in with with brothers is that i I didn't realize in kind of my research to kind of brush up on it because honestly i I hadn't done a lot of research on this album uh and, and since I'd first listened to it like a while ago. Whenever that was, because uh, again, we're still we're still in the point where time really feels like it doesn't have a whole lot of meaning. Um, but uh, the the interesting thing I thought was the fact that it, it, a lot of this was recorded rhythm first. That it was ah. it was drums and bass, so it was Arbach playing bass and Carney on drums, and that's how they wrote a lot of these songs. That it, then then the guitar was added in later, whereas before it was like guitar and drums. Oh, interesting. And it kind of explains partly why, uh, honestly, I've listened to a couple of Black Keys albums. This is definitely my favorite. And I think that's why, because I'm, especially right now playing a lot of bass, I'm very attuned to that. And I'm always Mm. listening for that and that interplay between bass and drummer, uh, because it is a very fascinating relationship uh, between a bassist and a drummer, because there's depending on who those people are
0: yeah it can be
1: yeah. it can be very interesting in terms of how that relationship works or doesn't work and and works even though that those two people might not necessarily always agree and get along um but uh i i like the fact that that was you know it made me appreciate that album on a different level nice nice um as far as elephant i I feel like I've 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 enjoyed the white stripes overall, you know, but I never really dug into them for whatever reason. And I think mm. part of that reason, the more I because I, I I basically listened to this album uh front to back twice today. And I think the main reason that I just had a real hard time getting into the white stripes is Jack White mm. vocally. And I and I get it like I I, I get that that's his thing, that's his style, but a lot of the time it is just it gets in the way for me. I don't know what it is, but there's there's something about the way that he kind of sings, and the things he does vocally that make it very difficult for me to to just jump into a White stripe song and be like, yes. Um, it's actually kind of kind of similar to I was listening to at the gym, uh, like a week and a half ago.
0: Hmm.
1: i had on red hot chili peppers um the new red hot chili peppers album which i can't even remember what the title of it is because they they put out like five albums in the past like couple years it's, it's stupid how much music <laughs> they've put out because the last two albums were both double albums and i think they they put out two double albums in the last year oh interesting which is a ton of music um but i was listening to it and i'm like you know love the music but the lyrics, like, 85% of the time make zero sense. Like, they could have just mm. been auto-generated by some AI on on the interweb somewhere and then just thrown into the song, you know? Yeah. And I feel like and, – and that's one of the things that kind of is a tough for, thing for me to get into the Chili Peppers really deeply is because I can't get past the fact that, like, what are these lyrics even mean, you know? Like, I don't – it's just like words. Wait, salad. you don't know what means. <laughs> I come from California. I I hey, do you know we from California? So I got- oh, yeah, oh. I got it, Anthony. I got it. I got it. How about you just. <laughs> you go in the corner and like play with a frisbee and just let flea and, and John and Chad do take, yeah Take a load off. Like, just go, just go sit in color for a while or something, you know, uh, like, you know, whatever work macrame, you know, whatever works for you. Um, but that was always a thing with like Jack white. I, and even in listening to this album, like I've, I was able to kind of work through that and appreciate some of what he's doing vocally, but I gotta mm. be honest, that is like my number one hurdle. Um, mm. So, but I, the one thing I really do appreciate is the fact that there is such a limitation mm-hmm. in a band with two people, Yeah, especially when they're playing live. Because if I'm remembering right, I think when, when the black keys toured, it wasn't just our and Carney, they mm-hmm. had other musicians when the white stripes toured, it was just them. Yeah. And I respect the hell out of that because to me that's like, yes, okay. And that's one of the things. One of the weird things is like Jack White, not a huge fan of his singing and sometimes it just grates on me. But I have such an admiration for that cat because – in some interviews, he would talk about how he would deliberately make things difficult on himself. Like he wanted to feel like there was work involved. He's like, I could have my keyboard closer so that I wouldn't have to go over to it, but I want to have to work. He's like, I've got this old guitar that, that goes out of tune really easily and I, I always have to retune it and I have to work with it and it's kind of a fight, but he's like, I, I want to have that effort. And I'm like, man, mm. yeah, because in so many ways, like you, you can make things really easy and then just kind of lull yourself off into like, oh, well, hey, it's, it's easy now. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, that's why I even appreciate about them in, in the recording of this album of the restriction of like, Hey, we're working on equipment that's old as dirt at this point. We're not doing any digital editing. It's all on tape. It's all like you get the razor blade out. And if you want to make an edit, <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to cut the tape. You got to edit it together. You got to make sure you do it right. You know, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, and I appreciate the fact that you can do an entire album with two people. And granted, yeah, there's overdubs, and you know, so they get some keyboard, you get some bass, you get all that. Fine, but I get I I like the fact that they're they spend all this time trying to cobble together these songs that even though there's a thread running through them, they're different. And making those things sound different with only two people is incredibly difficult. But it's like those restrictions can make you have to be so creative, and I really appreciate that about both of these bands. Yeah, um, yeah. And just the fact that that having those kind of barriers, those boundaries, can can make creativity flourish.
0: Yeah, I yeah. just sent you a link uh, for the show notes of uh Jack White well of the white stripes at the grammys i think it was the t- i think this is 2005 maybe 2004 um but to your point two people and end up producing probably more energy with the crowd in the two songs cuz they he, he he or they play these you know kind of shorter renditions of these two two songs back to back and I remember watching it for the first time and literally got chills, like oh, yeah. goosebumps,
1: They're explosive.
0: Yes, explosive. Like the and energy was just off the charts, and I wasn't expecting it. And when I
1: listened to it, I'm just like, "Holy moly!" <laughs> like, these I are mean, two people. <laughs> the thing is, like, and I, I, like, I, you see Jack White, and you, you know that he knows a lot. And you know that he's, there's times he's doing stuff and it's sloppy as hell, but you know he's doing it for a reason. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, but you look at Meg White and it's like, for all of her limitations as a drummer, Mm. all right? Man, for what they were doing, that's all you need. Yeah. It's just someone who's up there and they're playing from their friggin' soles of their feet, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, she is. It's almost like in order to teach, because I'm, if I'm remembering right, I think Jack White taught Meg how to play drums. Mm. Um, and it's almost like he did that by like, okay, here's how you hold the sticks. These are the different drums. And now I'm going to lock you in a room with a bunch of Led Zeppelin albums. And I want you to sound like him
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you're done. But I can't play all that. No, no, no. I just want you to sound like you're hitting like him. Yeah. And we'll take yeah. care of the rest. Yeah. You know, because when she hits, holy hell, Mm -hmm. that woman is hitting those drums, which I love. I love me a loud drummer. I love someone who is actually and and it's why I actually appreciate a lot of Jack White's piano playing because I'm like, play that thing. It's a percussion instrument. Play it like one, like play it like you mean it. You know, I love that when you can when you can actually it sounds like someone is is almost on the verge of violence with their instrument you know cuz again that energy comes through it's it's tough not to feel that when you're in the room with someone who's who's playing that way you know yep. and yeah i mean i white stripes <laughs> that explosive that's the way that i would every video i've seen of them that's the one word that would come to mind yep
0: yeah, uh, like, and, and it, it's interesting between both these albums because you, you know you mentioned his his lyrics or, or not his lyrics, sorry his his you know vocals. I kind of felt the Black Keys have like like I, I feel like these bands are they are not replicating each other, but I feel like there's commonality between them. You know, gritty. Oh, yeah. You know, and in, in like in my notes for both of these albums, gritty, raw distortion are three words that constantly keep coming up as I'm like describing what I'm hearing and, and experiencing and the vocals are, are, are just, they're, they're unique. They're very yes. unique. Like even the black keys, there's a couple songs where, I mean, they're coming in pretty high, you know, and I'm just like, okay, it's not, not what I would do, but I mean, you know, it. Mm-hmm. But, but I get why they're doing it within the context of the song. And, and so, um, so yeah, it was just, it was just really interesting to, to kind of, Like it's something I appreciate when we do these is that there's always like a thread or two of commonality between the, you know, the, the two sides that we're looking at. And, Mm. and this one here, I I just feel like these are two exemplars of raw, gritty, you know, just, you know, down and dirty kind of music, you know, even Black Keys had, there's a few in there that I, I, you know, as I went through the album felt very blues oriented and, and you know, the white stripes, there's a quite a bit of blues in what they do, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it's just fun for me to hear that and, and, and to hear, you know, kind of those, those threads.
1: Yeah, totally. So what are your favorite songs, sir? Favorite song or songs?
0: Oh, you know, I know I gave the intro. I did to it and make it sound like I didn't enjoy it. I, I did. It just, it took some time to grow on me. And, I'll just run through, you know, a couple of that, that were favorites of mine. Um, right at the top of the list is Black Mud. I really enjoyed Black Mud as an instrumental. Mm. Um, has such a great feel to it. Great instrumental piece. Gritty bridge part. Love the slower tempo, giving it kind of a bluesy feel. It just has this this just great feel to it that i just really enjoyed and like i said that like i pointed that song and that to me is the pivot point of the album for me because after this song everything that follows i could connect with and get into in a you know just like faster and 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 just in in a i don't know in a way that just made sense to me i guess Mm -hmm. um really enjoyed that song. Uh, 10 cent pistol was another one, uh, that, that I really enjoyed. Um, and then, uh, let me see. Sinister kid was another, uh, one I could, I could put as a favorite, mm-hmm. uh, as f- yeah. So I think those are probably the ones I'm just going through my list here. Uh, yeah, I, ironically, I mean, I didn't mind the first, you know, the first four or five, it's just, I don't know. They, they felt kind of poppy. They felt kind of, I mean, tighten up was, was a popular song like that. That was, that was the trademark song off that album. That's what they won the Grammy for. Mm -hmm. It's not that it's a bad song. I just, I don't know for like, I'm starting to understand a little bit. Like when, when we talked like rush and, and, you know, some, some of the other ones we've done in the past, I'm kind of seeing how you're, you are feeling about it, you know, like me being the fanboy and like, how can you not like this now? I'm kind of flipping it around. It's like, okay, I kind of get it. Like something about it isn't hundred percent connecting full bore, you know, like I would feel if I was listening to a rush or to something else, but, but I can respect the music part of it, you know, the musicality and, Mm -hmm. and, and the style of it. And, and that's the thing that made it grow on me was as the album goes on, it becomes less and less poppy and more gritty and more raw. And I really just kind of enjoyed that aspect of it. I really appreciated what they kind of brought there. Um, don't know that I would have dove into it on my own, but now that, you know, again, uncle Todd always opening those cultural doors for me, sir. Appreciate it.
1: I'm, I do what I can. Ah,
0: uh, you do. You do. But yeah. So I, I don't know any of those that I listed off as favorites, a surprise to you.
1: No, uh, I would I would say my favorite off of brothers is Next Girl. That was that's always been the song that I just kind that's of gravitate to. I mean, it, no, obviously not lyrically, I guess, uh, but <laughs> you know, I mean just yeah, it is it's just a something about that groove. Just yeah. I think it's because it is so bass and Well, I mean the hook is heavy. like
0: the hook of it is is
1: catchy. You know what I mean?
0: Like like yeah, it, yeah. it kind of gets
1: in your head a little bit and you find yourself like humming it and don't even realize it. <laughs> Sort of well, thing. yeah, and I love the fact that really it is—it's a, a drum and bass song, and the guitar is is damn near incidental. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's almost like it's a Primus song, you know. Where I mean, you listen to Primus, and the things you're listening to is first you're to Les Claypool's bass, then you're listening to the drums, and then you listen to Les's vocal, and oh, and the guitar is there for atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's really it's a, it's rare when you have a a rock band of any subgenre of rock that is not like and here's the guitar yeah like to the nth degree you know right in the middle of your forehead it's rare when you're like oh the guitar is really in the background the guitar is is not the show you know what i mean which is kind of funny really when you get down to yeah. it i mean
0: oh yeah it's, it's very subtle
1: yeah which i mean the funny thing is i i think it was a i believe it was nick Mason from Pink Floyd, who, who said a, a band is a drummer and a bass player and other, um, and other entertainments or something like that. Essentially like it's, it's the drummer and the bass. And then there's these other things that are, you know, decoration. That's, that's the band. Yeah. And in, in a song like that, I'm like, yep, there it is. You know? Yep. I mean, in a way it's kind of like Rush, like you could, you could probably, Again, this would be heresy for any Rush fan, but you could take Alex Lifeson out of the mix, and you could probably listen to just vocals, bass, and drums, and you'd still be like, "Damn, if that isn't a hell of a band!"
0: You wash your mouth <laughs> out with soap right now.
1: I I know it's it is it is a bit of heresy, <laughs> but I mean, you tell me. I mean, I think that would still be a killer album.
0: Maybe, but I, I mean, that's just but that's just I how hold the party line
1: that's just how good those two individuals are mm-hmm. and why mm-hmm. it's rare to have that, you know, where you can, you can be that entrenched in just the bass and the drums and a vocal. And then like, Oh yeah, the guitar kind of wanders around, does stuff. But anyway, adds another layer of texture. It does. It does. It's a little bit easier to say that when it's only two guys in the band and one of them's doubling. So you're like, I ah, know. well that other part that you add on, that's, yeah, it's
0: Uh, so what, sorry, did you already go through your favorites
1: or were you? I did not. Okay. I did not. I got I, side I just track. realized
0: I didn't read any of my notes for my favorites. So if I could circle back <laughs> when you're done, I, I just want to touch on that, but
1: go ahead. All right. Uh, so of course, I mean, number one, Seven Nation Army. You have to talk about that song. That song is a legend. Uh, the, Great baseline. Seeing, um, you know, Jack White play it at Glastonbury. Uh, I think it was this past year or last year. And you just hear the crowd, you know, in that bass part, uh, and they're like singing along. I'm like, that's a song that will live for damn near ever. Mm -hmm. Uh It is just so good. And the hook is there and the melody is there. And, you know, and it just, but again, the part of the reason why it works so well is you get that you get kind of the drive you're uh-huh. building tension you're building tension and then it just erupts uh-huh. after the verse after you know the verse ends and it's just it's it's beautiful it's dramatic it's it's an amazing song um like i'm not i don't need to talk too much more about it because if you haven't heard it i mean you've been living under a rock <laughs> for ever um next probably next probably favorite ball and biscuit kind of for the same reason mm-hmm. i love the fact that it is it has this very sort of blues sort of you know like old school blues like just kind of talking mm-hmm. talking about kind of how much of a badass you are and and what's going on in your life but then it, you know he is the seventh is, son exactly <laughs> he, he might be a third man but he's damn sure the seventh son um <laughs> but then again it, like, again it just explodes mm. into those guitar solos oh, and yeah. i love that i love that just that that uh, the juxtaposition of those two and the contrast it just makes it it's it's again a, a beautiful way to just utilize two instruments and how do you how do you get dynamics mm-hmm. okay we're going to bring it way down here oh yeah and then we just are going to push the pedal to the friggin floor You know, and And then we're going to try
0: getting loud. It's getting like obnoxiously loud.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Just I mean, probably burned out a tube. You know, if not one just exploded out the back of the amp, you know, it was oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. Could Um, you please uh, post in the show
0: notes? I'll I'll send you the link. But the the SNL from like a year or two ago, I don't even
1: think that's the best version of it really
0: because i well no. sorry no, not- there's
1: a version at, at glastonbury that same concert with its same okay. same band that's fine but i think because it, it's the full song sure sure and but- oh my gosh and i mean oh yeah and the fact that you have a have a full band with it does it's it's different but oh my gosh Yeah, so good
0: yeah but but that one where he combined it with kind of this this old bluesy song that was you know he was oh, kind yeah, of weaving yeah. in uh you know that was done during i think the 1918 pandemic sort of thing um i i yeah, just I thought it was really
1: well done so all right if i if i think about it i'll try and include it if not folks you can google it snl jack white i'm pretty sure you can handle that um <laughs> third one for me would uh is i want to be the boy and it's it, it's because it's it's poignant it's it's kind of a beautiful song and it's it's also jack white's best vocal performance on the Mm -hmm. album like he's actually singing and like i don't want to say that like what he does on seven nation army or some of some of his other songs is a gimmick it isn't i mean that's just that's uh, i'm gonna just give the guy the benefit of the doubt and that's just hey that's how you sound that's how you sing that's how Mm -hmm. it sounds in your head and you're replicating it whatever to me this is the this is a performance where i'm like oh okay dude dude can actually like actually sing like sing it straight and uh and it's just that's what again after talking about how you know that's always been a a bit of a hurdle for me getting into the white stripes hearing that was like ah kind of it was a nice little you know it's a little scooby snack in the middle of the album like here you go here's here's a here's a vocal performance nice um and actually it's probably my it is probably my second favorite uh vocal performance on the album nice so I will, uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that third, the the first, uh, will be, uh, a little later. All right. And what notes did you have, sir?
0: Sorry. So, uh, what did I say? Uh, I already talked about, uh, where'd it go? Talked about black mud, uh, 10 cent pistol. Uh, love the raw intro of it great line, guitar and vocals for it. Um, actually I, I wrote a note it f- feels very white stripish in parts um, mm-hmm. because of that and then and then it just just a great kind of fade. Kind of finish to it, uh, sinister kid. Um, gritty start with distortion, and I told you there's a lot of gritty and distortion in my in my notes here. Yeah, with, we need with, to get you
1: with a saurus with
0: a strong rhythm, a catchy chorus and bridge, and and I wrote brings the funk because there mm. there is a a funk element to it. Uh, and then uh, what was the other one? I guess that was it. It was those three because I have a few that I, I labeled as uh,
1: surprises. Uh, for ah. me, so so. What would you say is your least favorite song or songs?
0: Well, this is what I struggled with because I, you know, on the third listen, I was really trying to find that least favorite, and you know, I kept seeing glimmers of things that that I I liked in all of them. So that's mm-hmm. why it was just kind of difficult for me. I I'm not saying I mean my rating for this album is not going to be close to a five, but because it's not in my mind, you know, from what I like, you know, kind of that, that go-to kind of perfect sort of album, but, but there's enough here that I, I, I could appreciate, you know, what was there. I think if I had to point to one, um, it might be Howlin' For You, which kind of starts off as almost like a uh, I don't know the song from the, from, you know, the, the, you know, going to a basketball game, but it starts off with that. Dun, 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 like, like, you know, that like, um, I'll, I'll i'll do the chant but you know the beginning part of it when it goes dun, 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 dun. and he's like nah, 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 nah. hey that one it starts oh, off yeah yeah with, rock, with, with rock and rhythm. roll part
1: two gary glitter yeah, yeah
0: yeah but 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 the start of howlin for you is that same you know it's like that, that yeah that that rhythm that is very much you know what that what it made me think of at first um But, uh, but still nonetheless, I mean, it has a catchy rhythm to it. You know, I, I like, you know, I thought the vocals gave it a good texture, but I'll, I'll say Howlin' for you is, is probably my least favorite. How about you, sir, on Elephant?
1: The funny thing is I'm, I'm listening to Howlin' for you to reacquaint myself here. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you're getting that. Okay. I just, I, I was very curious as I was, because I I for I couldn't place the intro of that song. Uh, for me, I'm a similar boat. Like, I I didn't, there wasn't anything that I found obnoxiously horrible or out of place on mm. this album. Mostly because I just, you know, White Stripes were just, just kind of odd enough that nothing really felt out of place. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, the, just the whole general concept was just kind of a little bit like, okay, I'm just going to have to go with this
0: yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Like, so it kind of fit a lot. Um, I, so this is kind of the song that I liked less than the others, mm. you know, the, the least liked, not my least favorite, I guess, which I, actually it's the same damn thing. We're, we're both um, too nice. I'm equivocating right now. Uh, I would go with little acorns, um, partly because of the spoken word intro i as i'm <laughs> as i'm listening to this i'm i literally was like what the hell is apple music dropping a commercial into my feed here for I'm like i pay for i apple had music. the
0: same not exact wording but the same general comment like i thought it was a commercial at first
1: yeah and i know i now i know that's what they were going for i mean like it makes total sense and like, i can appreciate it but i and i, I just didn't dig that song as much um uh, nothing like nothing that offends me on a genetic level or anything but it was you know it was just eh, it's probably my least favorite on the album yeah all right my least likely to go back and listen to all right understood what would be your biggest surprise from brothers
0: uh honestly the biggest surprise the one i i really came away enjoying was uh the last song on the album these days mm. um had a different feel from the other songs. There was no distortion or or grittiness to it. It just had this kind of solemn tone, and and that was kind of further emphasized with the bass and the guitar parts. Nice harmony to it to convey the emotion of the song. Might um, you know it might be a sentimental surprise favorite of you know of mine because of you know, reading the backstory of this. And when you kind of listen to the lyrics, you can, you can see the connection between kind of what led up to the album being done and and what was being sung there. So I really like, you know, that, that was probably the biggest surprise to me. The the other ones I listed as a surprise. Let me just go down the list here. Uh, Let's see. Talked about that. Talked about that. Um, I'm not the one uh you know gritty emotional tune to the song great bass and guitar parts um like the incorporation of like there's a part or you know background sounds where it sounds very kind of choral with these ahs and violins giving it some depth really thought that mm-hmm. was kind of a like an interesting feel to it uh, unknown brother uh was another surprise for me you know great guitar intro sliding up and down the scale distorted vocal harmony you know just brought a nice texture and a a great bass line during the song and and especially in the middle um and then i i wrote this note there there's a song in there called never going to give you up and i my first note is not the rick astley version oh Um, thank god thank god uh but it it has it it was really interesting because it had a very 50s 60s kind of feel to it you know it it just had this old old school feel to it um you know catchy distortion uh with, with the guitar and i think there might have well, even been
1: tuba in parts of it so part of that is because never gonna never give you up was a single by jerry butler that reached number 20 in the billboard chart in 1968
0: aha i was right in my decade Sixties. there you go
1: very nice song has also been covered by eddie floyd buddy uh buddy greco chuck brown and the soul searchers
0: very nice jeez look at you coming in with the knowledge thank you sir
1: hey that's why i got wikipedia open oh sh- <laughs> Like I'm gonna remember all of that. Well, come you on. could
0: have passed yourself off as a music savant,
1: if you will. But uh, uh, what do I? Uh, Why am I Doctor Strange in the first ten minutes of the movie? Here, come on, maybe,
0: maybe Chuck Anyways, Mangione. Those are
1: <laughs> feel so good.
0: <laughs> those are my surprises. Uh, what was your surprise, sir, on uh, Elephant?
1: I'm gonna go with "In the Cold, Cold Night." Mm, good selection. Good selection. Very moody love the the guitar kind of ambiance love how you know it's just meg <laughs> it, it really is like well no it's not i mean it's it jack white even though it is this is the one like meg vocal performance on the whole mm. album jack is still very much a, a part of it like he's in the room you can tell like uh-huh. just the vibe from the guitar it's it is still the two of them you don't lose sight of the fact that jack white is on the track which is kind of weird to say in a way because, you know, honestly, this, this is my favorite vocal performance on the album. I, I really, I really just dug the way that, that Meg's voice, uh, just works in, in that kind of sparse space that's created by the guitar and, uh, you know, and minimal cymbal hits (laughs) like like five in the whole song, but it just works. And it's, it's very kind of, eerie and moody and I don't know it just I, I heard this song and I and I again my first listen to this was as I was working out at the gym today and I'm listening to this song and I'm I just found myself kind of staring out the window and I'm like mm. wow this is kind of cool. And it's funny that it's, you know, in the cold, cold night. And it was like 70 degrees here in Maine today <laughs> in November, which is great. Yay, global warming. Oh, boy. But um, a nice selection. Nice selection. But, yeah, it, it just kind of caught me there. I was like, wow, that is, it really did kind of, it shocked me. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of nestled there in not the middle, but kind of middle, latter half of the album. Well, actually, yeah. no, it is kind of just about in the middle. Um, but yeah, I I dug that song a lot. Nice. And w- was there anything I named
0: off as a surprise that was a surprise to you?
1: Not really. I I mean, well, I'll 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 give you my final opinion in our summing up. Shall ah, we? All right. Higher. Okay. Very nice. Uh, so first of all, on a scale of one to five, yes. How would you recommend this album, The Black Keys Brothers,
0: to a um, friend? Would I recommend this to someone uh, to a friend? Uh, yes, I would, and I would do it to the tune of. I, I've been kind of going back and forth between like a three five and a four,
1: hmm. okay,
0: because it is a it, it is an album that has grown on me. It but it took a few listens for me to get there. And that's why I kind of go back and forth. And it's, you know, it's hard because this is less about the quality and more about what I recommended to someone. And yeah, I'm trying to think through like, you know, people who I know who would connect with this. And if it takes a few listens for me, I'm just thinking it's going to take probably twice the listens for them sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, God, I guess I got to throw a stake in the ground. I got to go a 3.5. Like we, you know, I've, I've listed other ones as fours before this one. I, I did enjoy it. It grew on me. I connected with it. I appreciate it. But, uh, as a recommendation, um, it is definitely worthy to be recommended, but probably not a strong recommendation on my side.
1: Well said. Well said.
0: It's um, hard for me to say things like that. For me,
1: I would, I would certainly recommend Elephant, and I would recommend it to the tune of a solid five. Wow. I was blown away by this album. You don't, gi- I- you don't give those away liberally either. <laughs> no, no, because I, and I, it's one of those things where I, I kind of kick myself that I let my. You know the jack white vocal thing really keep me from listening to this album in its entirety mm. this whole time mm-hmm. now granted, I've never been you know I was always much more into polished sounds growing up you know the the albums that I would listen to were were much better produced, much smoother even when i would get into like rock stuff i'd be listening to like van halen and aerosmith and stuff like that and those those albums are very well produced very smooth and it's only over like the last uh last like 4 or 5 years i've really come to appreciate and cultivate more of a of a love of lo-fi kind of crunchy gr- you know the gritty sort of aspect of stuff. And before that, I really, I've, I've always appreciated kind of simplicity and recording and things like that. And I've come to appreciate all of those things, but mm. it's only over the last couple of years, I really started uh, to, to really be like, wow, okay, there's some stuff here I've missed out on. Yeah. So now I'm, that's why I really appreciate this album. And uh, I mean, it's a five because <sighs> damn, I mean, just for seven, eight, seven, seven nation army, like probably one of, one of the great rock songs ever like definitely top 100 and that's yeah. saying a lot i mean there's a lot of rock songs and there's a lot of really good rock songs and i'm saying a top 100 i would uh, i might find this one sneaking into my top 20 oh, just wow. for just for where i'm at right now in terms of my taste in music because the song just friggin goes and it is it manages to be slinky and explosive and a whole bunch of stuff all in one. Nice. It's it does uh, it rings all the bells. Um and at the end of the day, if you made me choose between listening to the to the white stripes or the black keys, I'm choosing the white stripes. Like, I, I I dig the black keys. I've mm-hmm. I've listened to the I've been listening to them more over the last couple of years. <sighs> After listening to this this album, I'm like, holy crap! These guys just blow them out of the water. Yeah, White yeah. Stripes just b- blow Black Keys out of the water. And I mean, it's different. It is, it is a little bit different, even though they're kind of they're both grazing in the same pasture. Like one's over on this hill and one's over on this hill. Like there is some separation. They kind of are doing some different things. But just from my preference, I would go with White Stripes. So that's why for me it was like nice. you know. Am I surprised? Like, eh, I guess, sort of. But that's just because after listening to Elephant, I'm like, "Brothers" feels a little mediocre to me. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be honest. But I could, I, I could change my mind about that next week because yeah. there are there's definitely songs on there that I really like and that I really dig. Well, and and but as a as a piece of work, yeah. Holy crap! Is Elephant just front to back, mm. really damn good?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I um. Well thank you because I, I I feel less guilty about you know the the recommendation rating I gave because of uh you know because of parts of what you just said where you, you know that's it's kind of like like you said it's kind of a difference of you know top to bottom being solid and and you know the black keys what they do in brothers is 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 good and is certainly you know listen worthy it's just it, it but it just doesn't resonate the same way with me as elephant does you know to 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 your point you know it's just has that feel to it that um or has a different feel to it and you know part of the charm of what i you know liked about brothers was was really in in kind of the long tail as 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 you kept going through the album is is the stuff that ended up being or feeling a little more white stripish, you know where it's more raw and gritty and you know less synth and less you know kind of pr- you know electronically produced sort of thing it just it just had a different feel to it and that's the part i actually enjoyed more
1: mhm yeah no totally yeah cuz even even the keyboards on white stripes it's not synth Yeah. It's like legit, like organ. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like like an old school organ and and just piano. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And you can tell like, oh yeah, the distortion you're getting, that's pretty much just from overloading the amp, almost to the point (laughs) of it bursting into flames. Yes. (laughs) Like there's there's not a lot going on there except just make it real loud. That's right. That's right. Loud and proud. And another thing. So what have you got for and another thing this episode, sir?
0: Uh, This one, actually, I went through um, probably, gosh, I think back in the spring or early summer when it first came out. But I hadn't watched it yet. Um, And I, Mm. I, I, I come back to it because I just finished it uh, over several, uh, one hour sort of lunch hours I was taking for myself, uh, throughout the week, uh, or throughout the weeks, uh, of the last month for work, um, was light and magic, uh, the documentary on Disney Plus. Mm. And this is the documentary of, um, of ILM industrial lights and magic, uh, the effects uh, company that kind of was birthed from star Wars and, how it became uh, really this this foundational piece of, <laughs> as I found out, most of the entertainment I've come to love. So <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but I think what appealed to me a lot about it and why I'm recommending it again is, and, and I guess this will be more for our engineering minded uh, you know listeners, uh, is I, I was just really impressed and very much appreciated the innovation and. The scrappy kind of nature of of what you know the early days looked like for them very much reminded me of you know the stories of of uh, you know the old garage uh, you know, companies that started in a garage and and you know that sort of Silicon Valley mentality um, that that really uh, you know birthed the uh, the tech industry and, and seeing it kind of play out in this, in this effects, uh, company was, was just really interesting. And then, you know, uh, as, as you work your way through, uh, so, you know, more and more digital becomes kind of the way of things and, you know, dealing with how that impacted, you know, the, the staff there, because they had a lot of folks who worked in the model shops and, 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 and did a lot of the stop motion and, and modeling sort of thing. And, and, Uh, And that, you know, once once Jurassic Park hit and they kind of, you know, developed a, a repertoire for doing, you know, consistent and solid, you know, computer graphic renderings of, you know, creatures that looked physically real it really kind of did in you know the whole physical model aspect of it and so um and so it was interesting to see that happen and then what i appreciated uh, you know at the end was really around how things kind of came full circle like they they Mm talked about the volume um and you know as as mandalorian kind of you know leveraged that quite a bit and 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 the volume became a thing you know through season one of of mando and but how it also talks about you know, as much as john Favreau is is to um be credited for you know being one of the pioneers or or uh, one of the people who brought about the volume. he's also an old school you know kind of effects person as well in and how the razor crest, uh, you know the shot of the Razor Crest flying during season one was actually a a model that was built and and filmed that way. And so, I thought they kind of ended it on a nice note where it kind of came around full circle where they're they're looking at you know kind of a happy medium between the digital and the real and and you know, how, how ILM just, you know, had this tremendous impact and how, and I love with the volume when, when, when they had George Lucas come on, he's like, this is what I was always talking about back in the seventies. <laughs> it's just yep. like, this is exactly it. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs>
1: well, but don't in the,
0: <sighs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I don't mean to trivialize it and, and it's not meant to, to, to demean it. It's just, it's, it's fascinating for me to see someone like Lucas who had a picture in his head of what he was looking for and struggled over decades to get others to kind of see the vision and see where he was trying to go. And I must imagine it's remarkably rewarding for him now to see the thing that he probably was thinking about, you know, maybe not a hundred percent that way, but, but just, you know, the fact that, that, you know, a dream of his materialized in the way that it did through, through the effects of, of what the volume brings.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. It is a little bit weird though when he's like, you know, the guy who essentially said, we're not going to build any sets higher than, you know, a foot above the actors' heads. And then, of course, the famous story of because Liam Neeson was so tall, they ended up having to, spend, it was like a couple of hundred thousand dollars more in set building <laughs> that they spent uh, just to build the sets up higher. And then they just did everything else digital. You know, it's right. kind of funny right. for, you know, kind of his swan song really as a director because I don't know I mean what he did do he do like red tails after that and that was it i Maybe. think
0: he yeah
1: I mean but those are really his kind of like his last hurrah as a director and they just they they hit that uncanny valley man and it just mm-hmm. now you're like no it just looks fake it really does yeah um but of course yeah he was a pioneer and it was funny to me watching the series uh, the documentary series. Cause I had seen so much of that from watching empire of dreams, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I thought I knew so much, but then you get into this. I was like, oh, now we're really getting into the weeds, which, Oh my gosh, I was so into that. Like, yeah. I love this minutia crap, you know? Oh yeah. So, Oh yeah. It was fascinating, but yeah, totally. And it's a nice, it's a, they, they pulled a very nice narrative out of that. And I love, I do enjoy how filmmaking is coming back to, you know, a combination of of digital and and the handmade stuff mm, yeah because i mean even then digital is still handmade dude i mean like the, yep. the, the sheer amount of time that goes into like painting like the creatures that you're making figuring out the lighting animating them is like it's not it's not that it's just like you press one button and it happens like those people are doing meticulous work that is and it's just a different way of doing it from the guy who's animating the the adats on Hoth. You know, it's just a different deal. You know, yep, at Absolutely. least to me. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and what well. was your end? In- Another thing, sir.
1: Well, I decided to keep this a uh, kind of in line, or fortuitously, it kind of came in line with your Star Wars uh, bent here, because uh, I've uh, we are now literally. I want to say 50 yards down the street from our, our local public library nice. and uh, I'll put in a plug for public libraries, man. Like uh, as much as I love me to do some book shopping and especially to use bookstores. Oh my gosh. This is part of the reason why I have storage problems is use bookstores. because I <laughs> love me bookstores. But, uh, but man, a public library is one of the, is one of the most beautiful places that you have in communities and, and you should utilize it. You can read so much. The thing I've appreciated so much is that I'm, it's, it's making me a little less picky about uh about books because I'm not buying them. So I'm much more likely to just see a book and go, oh, well, what the hell? I'll try it. And if I don't like it after five chapters, I can walk it back over here. You know, it's not a big deal. I didn't pay 20 bucks for it. However, it's also good because it'll make you remember stuff that you're like, oh, Hey, I just saw the author's name or I saw the spine of the book. Hey, I, I meant to read that. And so I remembered a few years ago when um, Timothy Zahn uh, of the Heir to the Empire series that we spoke with uh, Jimmy Dice about, uh, he came out with his Thrawn trilogy. And I happened to be walking through the fiction section and past the Z's and I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. There it is. Thrawn. All right. Well, let me grab that one. Oh, and there's the sequel to it. Let me grab that one. So I started reading Thrawn, and oh my gosh, really good! Nice, really good. Uh, it's interesting now to finally fill in because that was one of my, that was one of my bugaboos about that was you know, and even in Rebels, like, well, how is he using this knowledge of artwork to really? plan this like it was just sort of like oh well and they never he never really demonstrated it in a sense of like oh and i see this and they're there for this and therefore i'm going to use this and then it's going to like never showed you the whole process it was just like oh i looked at their art and now i know how their tactics work never kind of demonstrated how that works and in the book you start getting into that granted i'm like halfway through the first book but it, there's there's so much more information there. I'm like, oh, see, this might have been nice to at least get a glimpse of some of this rather than just just trust me. Uh, yeah, he he can look at some paintings, and all of a sudden now he knows, you know, how someone's going to attack with Stark cruisers. Sure, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting just seeing kind of the journey of Thrawn in the beginning and and kind of his working into the Imperial Navy and all that. And it, there's it's funny because um. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but like every you'll notice, like if you read enough of an author that each one kind of has like their little thing they like to do, like they have, they might have a certain word that they're really, they really love a lot or, or just a, uh, a way of communicating or something that they'll just reuse over and over and over again. And if you notice it, and then if you, you notice it, then you can't not notice it. And it starts getting aggravating. Timothy Zahn loves to have a character Lost in their own thought, and then another character speak into their thoughts. Mm. He loves that in these books. Oh my gosh, it's happened about twelve times already halfway <laughs> through the book, where a character's lost in his own thoughts, and then and then someone else speaks into those thoughts. And I mean, I get what he's talking about, like you know. But yeah, after a while, like, okay, there's got to be a different gimmick you got to use here because mm. I can't, I don't know if I can take three books of this. Yeah. You know, it's almost like the, you know, the whole like, oh, you know, he's a clone because we doubled up on one of the, on one of the vowels. You know, Luke. Gosh. That's a bugaboo
0: that Uncle Todd just
1: keeps coming back to. can't let go of it. But anyways, but I mean, it's a, it's a fun read. Again, it's, you know. It's a fun read. It's mm. not supposed to be you know war and peace or anything like that. It's just a it's a fun read. it's some good sci-fi and uh, kind of fills in some, you know again, and the the nice thing is it actually shows some competent imperial officers. I mean, sure, there's some ones who are dumb as a stump as well, but there's actually a couple like it, it makes you believe like, oh, I can totally believe these people took over the universe. It makes sense. There's there's mm-hmm. actually some who aren't boneheads. Great, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's a good read. I highly recommend it, and I also highly recommend uh, going to your to your local public library, supporting them. You know, doing any donations. That, you know, like they they had a book sale when I was there, and I grabbed some books there because hey, man, that money goes back to them. Great. Um, but yeah, Tom's check out start your library.
0: Cluttering up that office.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous it really is here i am talking about how i'm going to the public library you know so i don't have to buy books but then i go to the library and i buy books like i i, I can't get it a... while
0: i crawl over my book stacks
1: yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> either that or i'm gonna get avalanched by them during a recording and i'll finish them underneath <laughs> I'll, I'll hear this oh. <laughs> i'll just be wheezing and thank you for tuning in i'm losing oxygen <laughs> it's all been worth it though Rosebud. <coughs> yeah exactly <laughs> anyways well thank you uh members of the free range idiocy congregation uh parting is such sweet sorrow but uh we need to get a hell on out of here because quite honestly my family wants to go to sleep and i talk really loud when i record so i've got to wrap this sucker up in the next couple minutes otherwise i'm going to be sleeping on the couch in my office which is not so much a couch as a glorified easy chair and it ain't going to be comfy so i'm going to try and sleep in my bed tonight so thank you all for tuning in we appreciate it appreciate all the downloads all the subscriptions if you have not yet subscribed to our podcast my goodness what the hell's wrong with you go to freerangeadc.com and you can subscribe right there you can find all of our episodes download them individually or you can go on to the Podbean app you get all of our episodes right there as well you can find us on spotify we're on apple Podcast. we're on google podcasts uh pandora a whole bunch of others just search for free range edc pretty sure you're going to find us if you have any questions thoughts or concerns what you want to do is you want to send those to tim at freerangeedc.com and uh if you have any suggestions for shows especially because quite honestly <laughs> two of us are idiotic enough that we barely keep ahead of the curve so having uh-huh. a couple a couple of you feed in some ideas would be real nice uh you can also find us on social medias we are on facebook we are on instagram both of those are at free range edc we have jumped off of the sinking ship that is twitter <laughs> mostly because they locked us out a while ago and i don't think elon's letting me back in so screw em. anyways <laughs> uh you can find us on uh youtube though actually uh you can find us there at free range idiocy as well because now uh youtube has handles i guess whatever the hell that means but we're on there so you can subscribe through uh and the podcast through youtube if you want and uh yeah so now uh, i'm gonna hand this over to these the the least idiotic of the two idiots who run this show
0: <laughs> i think he was about to say the second most idiotic <laughs>
1: I was, and I had to correct myself, because there ain't no way. If I, There would have to be someone else on the show, because there's no way that uh, that, that you would out-idiot me. Not, not in any way, well, shape, or form. It just doesn't happen. It could happen. No, no, because you just buy another idiot to come in here, because you, no. you have that sort of cash to throw around. That's you know, true.
0: That's true.
1: But I'm going to hand this over to, to the man they call Tim, but not before I ask him the second most important question. In all of human history, the first, of course, being "What is hip." The second being, "The hell did we learn this episode?" Uh, We learned the following. Uh, Uh, Good.
0: We learned that uh, the man they called Tim and Uncle Todd uh, had very exciting weekends, uh, (laughs) albeit uh, some more exciting than others. (laughs) So,
1: some in need of a liver transplant. (laughs)
0: Some are still recovering from said fun.
1: <laughs> about, about, about 91% today. I think uh, I might hit 100 tomorrow.
0: What was that, 91 proof? Oh, never mind. Uh, no, but that's nonetheless, nonetheless uh, we, we have learned that uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, looking looking very good for this February. Buckle up. Real and Jabroni is on its way
1: real jabroni January whether you like it or not that's
0: right like it or don't like it learn to love it because it's oh, the best geez. thing going today Woo! he's the best alright and uh Westworld uh we bid the adieu
1: surprisingly you made it even longer than we thought Indeed. like you're like a cat it was like a cat with all the things wrong with it you're just like I can't believe that thing is still Who
0: alive a two years between seasons would be a bad
1: thing <laughs> I, I know that's the other thing, <laughs> <So> <laughs> necessitating a full rewatch. So you're like, wait a minute, I even know. I, it was Ugh. a confusing show, anyways. And then you're gonna wait that long in between seasons? Oh my gosh! It's like No happened? one had a chance. No oh one had a gosh. chance. They, you know you. what they needed to do? They needed to have like a pop up. You remember VH1 used to have the pop up videos?
0: <laughs> they needed yes. to have like
1: little bubbles that came up in the first a couple of episodes to remind mm-hmm. you of all the crap that went on. Mm-hmm. Then you might have had a fighting chance. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And uh, we've also learned, uh, Uncle Todd and the Man They Call Tim, uh, very good ears for, for uh, albums here with uh, White Stripes Elephant and the Black Keys Brothers. Uh, if you have not listened to either of these albums, uh, we, we have both recommended them, some uh, more strongly than others, but uh, do, do check them out. Uh, solid outings all around, and yeah, Elephant is a classic, so do uh. Do give that a listen uh, when you have the time and the place. Uh, Final, as we like to close things out, uh, be safe, be mm-hmm. healthy, be kind, be good to one another, and uh, if for no other reason than, uh, well, hey, Powerball's at one point nine billion, so we need to throw a little uh, money at that uh, jackpot. Would you please
1: hit the lights on the way out? It's like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon. What did you say?
0: All of you, relax. This is a matter of inconvenient timing, that's all. Police action was inevitable. And as it happens, necessary, so let them fumble about outside and stay calm. This is
1: simply the beginning.
0: You're such a disappointing pair.
1: I prayed so hard for you. (laughs) Get out, and don't come back. Until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I thought I told all of you I want radio silence until further. I'm very sorry, Hans. I didn't get that message. Maybe you should have put it on the bulletin board. So did you get some ointment to take care of that rash you got from all that ballyhooing? A little bit.
0: Got a little liniment. Can
1: you tell me that. what the brand was? I, I think I need some of that myself after the other night. <laughs> <laughs> I fell down in the bushes and I, I've got ai got this thing going on. Uncle Todd's on. no good, very bad weekend.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I don't know if it's from the ballyhooing or the whoop whoopty doo I don't know. <laughs>
0: It's certainly not the tomfoolery. So,
1: well, I mean, hey, you, there might have been some tomfoolery there. There's some time that's unaccounted for. What can I say? You know, but things happen. The immortal
0: happen. words of Chucky: "You suspect." There,
1: you know, there might have been a squirrel in that bush. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> Good Lord. Having some sort of reaction. <laughs> now get the hell out of here! <laughs>